you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. One typical teenage problem that is easy to spot, yet often challenging to change, the unmotivated teenager. As human beings, we often tend to lack motivation to do the things that don't interest us or that are too difficult for us. There's really no such teenage problem of lacking total motivation for absolutely everything. Motivation in this sense is defined as simply the desire or willingness to do something. The same teenager who is unmotivated in his schoolwork can be highly motivated to play video games. Another teen who is unwilling to go to church can be highly motivated to go to other social activities. In contrast to many of our other issues, a teenager may not see this as much as a problem as do parents or other adults. Yet, if a teenager is going to mature in wisdom, then a lack of motivation requires our attention, even if the teen is unmotivated to solve it. So clearly, teenagers can lack the motivation to do just about anything, depending on the circumstances, even things they used to enjoy. What then are the most common areas that will garner the label of an unmotivated teen? To put it another way, what problems will cause parents and other adults who are in the life of the teenager the most dissatisfaction? Well, here's a short list. First, academic education. Some teenagers lack motivation in all academic subject areas, the classic underachiever. Others are just disinterested in one or two subjects, unwilling to put the time and energy into them. Still others are unmotivated to go any further than a high school education when they have the ability to go further. Then there's work. Many teens are adverse to hard work, some to any real work at all. For some teens, work is acceptable if there's a paycheck involved, but lack the willingness to do any basic chores around the house. Then there's lack of motivation for spiritual pursuits. Teens who are professing Christians should not lack this motivation, the motivation to read the Bible, pray, and go to church, but many do. Others are seemingly unmotivated to go beyond just a surface level of religion. And finally, there can be a lack of motivation in relationships. Making friends is a challenge for many of our teens, yet some teenagers lack the motivation to not only seek out friendships, but to do the work to maintain those friendships. Other teens are unmotivated to connect to other people in general, including parents and siblings. So it's time once again for us to dig down deep into the heart of our teens and seek to solve the issue of the lack of spiritually healthy motivation. Now, you'll probably not have a teenager plop down in the chair in front of you and say, please help me, I'm an unmotivated teenager. Yet at the same time, a teen may see some of the consequences of his or her lack of motivation. 
and actually be frustrated about the inability to change. Recognizing the motives of the heart and what keeps us from doing what we ought to do is a challenge, even for adults. So here's yet another problem which requires a biblical approach. In a world that in many ways expects teenagers to only be motivated by their own interests and pleasures, God's Word demands much more. It clearly speaks to the heart of the matter, even to the motivations of our hearts. Moving beyond simply the goal of the teenager being a responsible, hard-working, motivated citizen to the higher goal of having a heart of wisdom in pursuit of God's kingdom is a challenge. As with all other problems, we should be seeking God's wisdom and resisting the wisdom of this world. So let's work through some important biblical principles on the matter. First, the principle of internal versus external motivation. God's Word gives us many pictures and instructions regarding what motivates us as human beings. A right biblical anthropology begins with the fact that, outside of Christ, we are driven by our sinful hearts. As Jesus taught his disciples, it is out of the internal human heart that flows all sorts of sinful desires and actions that drive us to unrighteous external behavior. Not one of us is righteous or acts from purely righteous and godly motives. At best, our willingness to do anything good comes from mixed motives, tainted by our sin and weakness. For example, a teenager may actually be highly motivated to get good grades in school, yet the real underlying motivation is not just to glorify God, but to also reap the praise of men. Another teenager may be motivated to serve and worship God, but secretly is hoping it will make God love him more. The motives of our heart are tricky things because of the deceitfulness of the heart. Even with the work of the Holy Spirit, motivation may be lacking or grounded in more self-centeredness than holiness. When thinking about motivation, it is common then to distinguish between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, that which comes from within and that which pulls on us from without. When children are young, parents tend to focus primarily on external motivation in order to get them to do what is right. Various punishments are used to move the child to obedience, as well as to provide consequences for disobedience. Positive reinforcements and rewards are often employed to motivate children to complete chores, to do well in school, or even have good attitudes. Yet external motivation is not the ultimate goal or we end up with teenagers who only do what is good and right if there's some external threat or reward. Therefore, extrinsic motivation is less than desirable with our teens, since our goal is to see them pursuing a heart of wisdom. Parents should evaluate if they have become too reliant on external motivation techniques to help the unmotivated teenager. At some point, this effort will lack effectiveness. And even when it does work, it will only be temporary. So an initial biblical principle regarding the unmotivated teenager is that we want to see more intrinsic motivation in his or her life. We need to help a teen like William, a 15-year-old who is underachieving in school, by listening to his heart. Why is he procrastinating in his schoolwork? Is it really just simple laziness? Even though his parents are at a loss for what motivates him, 
That may be because they have relied primarily on external motivation. No more video games until you finish your homework. Or, if you get A's and B's on your next report card, then I'll buy you a new gaming system. An approach that focuses more on internal motivation would press William on his fears, anxieties, or apathy. It may reveal that he is enslaved to comfort, or that he is simply not challenged enough in school or in life. Again, you need to hear his heart and interpret his thoughts and emotions, which is a challenge in itself. Even if it's hard to find out what is going on in the heart and mind of a 15-year-old, we need to keep moving towards internal motivation and resist relying solely on external sources of motivation. Our next principle, then, is that we need to deal with parental expectations. Every parent has certain expectations for his or her child. For some, it's a particular academic achievement, straight A's, high standardized test scores, etc. Others expect to have a star athlete or a skilled musician in the family. Still others communicate the expectation of a college degree or a certain high-paying profession. In some cases, there are even parents who expect their children to become eminently godly and righteous. As a child reaches the teen years, the pressure to begin to achieve those parental goals often escalates. While some teens internalize those expectations and pursue them, others resist them, thereby demonstrating a lack of motivation. So the first question to ask is, How realistic are the parental expectations themselves? Getting good grades is one thing, but what if the parent expects his or her teenager to be the top student in the class? Being a member of a sports team can be a good desire for a teen, but will it be a disappointment to parents if he or she doesn't make the all-star team? Two related aspects to the expectation itself is how parents communicate it to their teenagers as well as respond when the expectation is not being met. Parents who are very verbal about what they expect from their teens without much love or grace can end up demotivating them. Others who may not be as communicative with words yet show their disappointment in critical ways can have the same result. Then when the teenager fails to meet expectations, what happens next? Does parental fear and anxiety go through the roof? Will the teenager reap the wrath of mom or dad? Some parents employ threats while others resort to tears or bribes. In the end, it's essential that parents examine themselves to see if they are contributing to the teen's lack of motivation. Living under the pressure of either overly high expectations or the humiliation of letting down parents can take its toll. Some teens will become overachievers, and others end up underachieving. While there are many other factors to look at, changing parental expectations can move toward real solution. Which leads us to the principle of performance pressure. Lest we forget, God's Word is replete with expectations, commands, laws, and standards for those who live by faith in Christ Jesus. To put it in the vernacular, Christians do have a responsibility to perform in ways consistent with their love for God. Accordingly, we are right to expect our teenagers to understand that God demands holiness, righteousness, hard work, and excellence in all areas of conduct. 
Therefore, William is certainly disobeying God in his laziness and procrastination of his schoolwork. Then there's Xander, a 16-year-old, who is not glorifying God by refusing to pray, reading his Bible, and worshiping with God's people. Other teens who are unmotivated may also end up disobeying God, not just frustrating parental expectations. If teenagers perceive there's too much pressure to perform as Christians, like Xander, then they'll miss the grace of God in their lives. With the call to obey always comes the grace to obey, and grace and forgiveness when we do not obey. As the Apostle John wrote, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. 1 John 5, 3. God himself cannot be blamed for demanding too much of us, thereby somehow causing teenagers to have a lack of motivation. On the other hand, the adults in the teen's life may be sinfully applying performance pressure, effectively creating or adding to a lack of motivation. So how does this typically manifest? Well, in Zoe's case, she is often compared to her older sisters by her parents, grandparents, and even her friends. Her lack of desire to go to college is not because she is academically weak, but an overreaction to being expected to perform. After all, she better not be the first child to not succeed in college. Similar to the pressure of expectations, being measured by performance can disable a teen in many ways. If not coupled with love, compassion, and grace, it should not surprise us to see some lack of motivation to perform. Again, we must be careful here not to communicate to teenagers that there is absolutely no pressure to perform or that performance doesn't matter. What must be embraced is that we are called to perform by God, for God, for the glory of God, by the grace of God, and by faith in Jesus Christ. Teenagers who lack motivation because of a rebellion against performing for God or parents are not glorifying God or helping themselves. Well, now let's turn our attention to the topic of laziness. The unmotivated teenager may be enslaved to the sin habit of laziness. Written to young men, the book of Proverbs is filled with harsh truths about laziness or slothfulness. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 12:24. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. Proverbs 19.15 The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Proverbs 26.15 Over and over again, laziness is shown to not only be connected to foolishness, but to bring with it some devastating consequences. Laziness described in Scripture also as idleness should have no place in the life of the believer. So when laziness is seen as the root cause or contributing factor to a teen's lack of motivation, it must be addressed. Even though we understand how easy it is to become lazy in any area of life, it should not be simply tolerated in the life of a teenager. What biblical counsel do we give a teen like William who professes to being lazy most of his life? Even though laziness is a sinful habit, it will probably not be effective to just tell him to stop being so lazy. 
Like other long-term behaviors, it takes time to learn and practice a better habit. William's late-night video game habit will have to change in order to effectively counteract his laziness. His sleep habits will also need to be adjusted since they are also potentially feeding his laziness. Putting off the bad habits that contribute to laziness or result from a lazy heart and mind must be followed by putting on new habits that better reflect a godly work ethic. But beyond simple behavioral change, what is going on in the teen's heart? What makes laziness attractive and comfortable other than the fact that it often feels better than doing hard work? Laziness in our teens can often be driven by the idol of comfort or, alternatively, the idol of pleasure. As will be discussed further, laziness can also be a cover-up for fear, depression, or other sins of the heart as well. And in some cases, some teenagers can either excuse laziness as just a part of their personality and even revel in their laziness. In the end, laziness should be confessed and repented of with the help of the Holy Spirit. Well, then let's move on and talk a little bit about the fear factor. One of the most immobilizing forces in our lives is the emotion of fear. Fear can typically cause us to either flee or fight, yet it can just as easily freeze a person into inaction. So when you have a teenager who is unmotivated in a particular area of his or her life, look for possible underlying fear. A student like Zoe, who fears the future, may lack motivation to work hard in school. What's the point? I'll probably fail anyway, she says. When you spend more time with Xander, you discover that his lack of spiritual motivation partly has to do with his fear of the youth group. He has been rejected by so many of his peers that he has no interest in making friends or even being around Christians. It is safer to be by himself in the gym. Another teenager may lack motivation to play sports or compete in an activity because of deep insecurity and the fear of failure. Since fear is the opposite of love, it makes sense that fear takes away passion and motivation. Teenagers who are generally anxious will often underachieve and isolate themselves rather than be driven to work harder and actually succeed. So what is the best way to help the teenager when his or her fear is causing a lack of motivation? Simply saying, there's nothing to be afraid of, just trust God, may be a true statement, yet may not be well received. Teenagers initially need to receive some level of empathy and understanding from their parents and other adults. It's normal that Zoe would be afraid of the future. Xander's fears of getting hurt by peers is also understandable. What our teenagers need to learn is that they are not alone in this life. Fear communicates that there's no one who can protect, no one who can deliver me from any situation. Teens need to believe in the God who is always present, Emmanuel, who is God with us. They also need mature adults in their lives who will calm fears by their presence as well. Too many teens are left to navigate through a scary world as spiritual and emotional orphans. Why wouldn't they be afraid if they are left to themselves? Yet in Christ, they can act in faith instead of fear, taking risks and seeing what God will do as a result. Next, we need to address the potential of depression 
in the unmotivated teen. One of the most obvious consequences of depressed feelings in the life of a teenager is the lack of desire to do things he or she enjoyed in the past. Depression takes away energy as well as interest, especially for the more difficult or mundane things in life. Just as fear immobilizes, depression is also a great demotivator. So even though depression can be seen as a symptom of other heart problems, it can also be a primary cause of decreased motivation. Why would a teen in the depths of despair want to do the hard work of maintaining relationships, working at academics, or excelling in athletics? Teens who are depressed will also lack interest in spiritual things, such as prayer, Bible reading, worship, and Christian fellowship. Unfortunately, a lack of motivation is not only a possible result of depression, but can end up making the depression worse. After all, an unmotivated teen will not be active or successful, which is often perceived as being even more depressing in the end. If depression is fueling a lack of motivation in a teenager, what can we do about it? Clearly, telling a teen to do the things he has no interest in or motivation to do will not work. We must ultimately get to the true root problem that is producing depressed feelings in the first place. Yet also remember that the teenager needs to learn that he or she cannot rely on those negative emotions to drive his or her choices. If Zoe is depressed about all her friends going to college, she cannot factor that reality into her own decision about her future. Satan is using her grief to tell her lies about herself and fuel her insecurities. Xander may be depressed about his lack of relationships, but that cannot be allowed to motivate him to stay away from church. In other words, teenagers need to recognize the power of emotions to control and motivate, especially negative ones. After all, when we are excited or happy, it is so much easier to do things that are mundane or even hard. Rather than allow fleeting, changing emotions to be our motivators, it must be a renewed mind and a wise heart that pushes us to action. Another related principle to consider is the feeling of being overwhelmed. Ever since the entrance of sin into the world, life has become an overwhelming enterprise. Once filled with peace and love, marriage and family is now burdened with conflict, competition, pain, jealousy, envy, and so on. Our daily work is no longer effortless, but difficult and exhausting, covered in blood, sweat, and tears. Sin has made all relationships a struggle, and the world is a place filled with temptation, destruction, and death. Therefore, it should not be a surprise that our teens also find this life overwhelming at times. To be overwhelmed is to literally be submerged or underwater. The experience of being overwhelmed may either be self-inflicted or just a result of the circumstances of life. While some teenagers may be more motivated to rise above the water, others will believe they are about to drown at any time. For this latter type of teenager, they lack motivation until the burden is lifted and they are rescued from the depths of the sea. Teenagers who are overwhelmed need comfort and encouragement. They need to gain courage by the strength of the Lord in order to do the hard things in this life. Yet they also may require help to do a thorough analysis of their activities and responsibilities. 
While Xander seems to only spend the majority of his time working out at the gym, a more thorough investigation indicates that he is actually overcommitted. He has a part-time job, is in several extracurricular clubs and teams, is in a serious dating relationship, and is even taking a couple of advanced placement classes. So part of his lack of motivation to do anything church-related is because he's already overwhelmed with his current commitments. His time in the gym is a way of escape of everything that is too hard, including spiritual things. It is easy for many parents to needlessly allow their teenagers to keep exceedingly busy in some misguided effort to keep them out of trouble. Even if a teen looks like he or she is handling everything that is on the plate, a lack of motivation can be caused by feeling overwhelmed in other areas. Forcing a teen just to do more will probably decrease motivation even more. Well, let's look briefly at three more aspects of the problem of the unmotivated teen. First, adolescent apathy. Unmotivated teenagers often appear apathetic, don't they? Apathy is that state of the heart that is indifferent at best and uncaring at worst. It is first a spiritual problem since it is rooted in a lack of love for God and for other people. Speaking of unbelievers, the Apostle Paul well describes the problem of apathy from Ephesians 4, 18 and 19. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. A hardened, apathetic heart not only produces a lack of motivation to do what is right, but also creates an attraction to do what is wrong or what is useless. William's apathy about his schoolwork is coupled with a passion for video games. Xander's apathy about anything spiritual or church-related is also connected to his zeal for working out. Again, the apathetic teenager is not only passionless about important, essential things, but is usually more consumed emotionally and passionately with an imitation or a worthless substitute. So how do you create passion in the heart of a teenager who is apathetic? The short answer is you can't. You aren't the Holy Spirit, so you cannot change your teen's heart. But before getting there, it's essential to properly qualify the apathy. Is the teenager really apathetic or is it just a cover? William may actually still care about his grades, but he's just pretending not to care for some reason. Or maybe the apathy is really a passion-filled act of defiance. Xander refuses to be like his parents or other siblings, just dutifully going to church and obeying the rules. Apathy could also be a defense, as it may be in Zoe's case. Being indifferent about college is rooted in the belief that she may fail in college. Thus, it is easier to just not care. Finally, as can be the case for many teenagers, apathy can arise from cynicism. Our young people can look around themselves, becoming deeply confused and frustrated, and simply find it safer to live in a place of cynical apathy. Talk about a demotivator. So make sure to have an understanding of the type of apathy as you counsel your teen. Again, you can't give them passion for Christ or grades or work or their future. 
but you can help them face their current apathy. Then we must add the possibility of simply a lack of maturity. To the Church of Philippi, Paul writes, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. One of the signs of Christian maturity is the focus and diligence to press on in our calling in Christ Jesus. In relation to this discussion, an unmotivated teenager lacks the dedication, commitment, and singular focus that defines true maturity. In other words, when our teenager lacks motivation in a particular area in their lives, then they are being immature in their thinking. William's procrastination and lack of focus on his schoolwork demonstrates immaturity. Xander's preoccupation with his physical body to the neglect of his soul is also a sign of immaturity. A teenager's lack of motivation can simply be rooted in his or her desire to be a child rather than to move on to adulthood. A certain level of immaturity is to be expected in our teenagers. After all, they aren't adults yet. If a teen isn't a Christian, then no real spiritual maturity will occur. But for those teenagers who are professing Christians, they are able to become more mature at some point. In the parable of the sower, Jesus puts it this way in Luke 8:14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Teenagers who get overwhelmed by the cares of this world or become preoccupied with the wasteful pleasures of this life will not mature very well. Only by feeding on God's word and stoking a passion for Christ and his kingdom will true maturity occur. The Spirit brings growth to all who are in Christ. When that maturity emerges, then your teen will be motivated in all aspects of life. Finally, the unmotivated teen needs our prayer and patience. As frustrating as it may be to deal with an unmotivated teenager, a parent must not operate from a place of impatience. Remember, we are seeking intrinsic motivation for our teenagers, not simply looking for more external ways to motivate. Biblical patience comes from a love for the teenager as well as a love for and a trust in the Lord. Our dependence on the Holy Spirit for real heart change must be reflected in our patient, persistent prayer life as well. At some point, you may have less to say to a teenager who is unmotivated and more to say to Jesus, the teen's mediator. Prayer and patience are not signs of hopelessness or resignation, but actually point to the hope that is only found in the powerful, gracious work of the Spirit. Again, whatever problem teenagers are experiencing, the adults in their lives must exude plenty of patience, bending the knee before the throne of grace on a daily basis. If you want to learn more about how to handle the problems of teens biblically, remember to pick up my forthcoming book, Pursuing a Heart of Wisdom, Counseling Teenagers Biblically, available from Christian Focus. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. 
If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.